So Pat, welcome to uh, welcome back to the journey. And uh, it was a little over a year ago. I think you were on the journey first, and you told our told your told your story about uh, how you got into the counseling field and 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 all that. But now everything seems to be uh, in a completely different world right now with uh, uh, everything with the COVID impacting impacting all aspects of life. So just wanted to touch base with you and see. Uh, how is uh, how's things going at your home? I know you have a you have a herd of athletes at your house, and uh, how uh, how uh, just for our listeners, maybe you can kind of just bring them up, bring us up to speed with um, where everyone's at and and everybody in your family. Uh, so I have four daughters, um, 19, 17, 15, 13, My wife and I, and then a new dog. That's another challenge, but uh, he doesn't know any different because we've just been home, and so. He probably will have a hard adjustment when all life returns to normal. So, um, so yeah, a lot of athletes in the house. Uh, we had one college student who got her college year cut short. That was pretty difficult for her. Uh, she's doing pretty well. She's actually working. Um, the two middle ones were travel, volleyball at a national level. And so by this time, um, during the shutdown, we would have had five or six different tournaments. And so we're actually saving money, but uh, um, a lot of, workout exercises around the house and they all kind of sectioned off their areas for their distance learning. And, um, I think because they have each other, it's making it a lot easier. So they do things together. They get on each other's nerves, but, um, but there's still a lot of athletics going on at the house and a lot of drilling. And this week they actually start a telepractice. I don't know how that's going to look for volleyball. Um, I've seen the basketball ones, which is basically dribbling drills, but I don't know what they're going to do for volleyball. So that starts the day. So, gotcha. so, um, so with that, they it not only impacted their travel team, but it also impacted their high school seasons as well. So they didn't right. get to play any of their spring sports. Now, what spring sports are they participating? The, the good news was they were they're not as into the spring sports. Um, we played softball, but it didn't look like Lutheran was going to have a team this year, and then uh, track was another one. And so Lauren was up to running seven miles a day and then that went down. Um, the summer Roy Gale season for softball and baseball might be in jeopardy. We don't know yet. Um, and so this was going to be just kind of a travel season um, instead of a dual or triple sport like they've done the last two years. So. Gotcha. Okay. And, and for them, how do you think overall they're, they're feeling just with the idea of not being able to compete? They're so used to competing and have been competing for so long. This is now having – right now we're going getting ready to start the seventh, seventh week in a couple of days, uh, beginning of the seventh week. What, uh, how have they been feeling just over, overall as, as you've been watching them just have some time off from competing? Yeah. Uh, my oldest was kind of out of the heavy competition, but she was playing uh, like sand volleyball and different things. So that hit her differently. Um, I think for her, it's missing of the friends and the connection there. Sure. Um, for my middle two, I think the competition level was missed, but now it's kind of a relaxed, hey, we don't miss it all that much, as much as we did before. Um, but again, just the ability to play and um, see friends and, and kind of run. For my fourth one, um, she's not that highly competitive most of the time, but it's a social aspect for her. And so she misses her friends a lot. So they, uh, my third daughter, Kayla, bakes a lot. So they made, I don't know how many donut hole things. And so they drove around and kind of left them at different people's doorsteps from Woodstock to Northern Illinois to, to Rockford, all over. It was like seven hour trek and they 
so they they got out and they're able to kind of see people sure. through the window and whatnot but um but yeah i think the uh kind of the the structure it's been better to slow down although it took them a minute to realize that mm -hmm. and now they can implement their own structure with workouts and and do kind of what they want to do and and so we'll see when it starts back up again what the competitive level will how long it'll take to reboot that um sure sure well you know and it obviously a big part of what your your day is outside of you know your 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 home life and your and your, your personal life is is a sports but uh with from us as counselors, we, we recognize kind of like your girls realized that having that structure in the day has been uh, important to be able to kind of not just take this time off, but continue, uh, continue growing, continue developing, continue learning, even though it's different because it doesn't have all the external pieces of it. Um, being able to build that structure and what did, did you notice a transition there from that, from that aspect of, okay, this may be just a couple weeks and uh, we'll just hold our breath here to, okay, now this is uh this, this is going to go on for another four to five weeks minimally. So. Right. And for my youngest, she, uh, she did the whole summer thing, watch TV, lay around, and then we've had to kind of implement structure back into her. Um, the other ones, I think the e-learning is what really made them structure some things together because they had to get on and do their homework. And uh, for my oldest, her the classes were still timed. And so she had to get on at certain times. Okay. Um, I think my third daughter put structure into place right away. My second daughter shortly after that. So it, they kind of did it themselves. It wasn't necessarily a time thing, but I was telling them from the word go that this wasn't going to be a couple weeks. Sure. Um, and it's not going to be like a normal summer because they can't just run and go everywhere. So it's, so they spent a lot of time outside and, um, they kind of structure that in based on the weather, but, um, right. but yeah, I think that's helped a lot. And I think that went in early for three of the four anyway. Um, now if we can just get the cleaner on the house more consistently, that'd be cool, but you yeah. know, <laughs> sure. some summer effect and some hotel effect, but you know, sure. Sure. Um, well, I know you and I, as well, as well as some of the other staff at KP, we've, I've, I've introduced and talked about, uh, Joseph Campbell's work, The Hero's Journey, and, and we've we spent some time talking about that. And and so just, um, and again, just some thoughts of what you've noticed with clients during this time period um, overall, or even noticed in your own, you know, just an observation as a whole, is we went from February-ish, beginning of March, all of us were in this order. We, it, was a, it was some level of what our normal was, even though we still all had our own personal stuff going on. And then individually, as well as collectively, we were all thrust into this disorder all at the same time. And um, I don't ever recall in my life uh, that's ever happened. I mean, 9-11 probably was the closest thing that I experienced in the early 2000s. Um, from a collective standpoint. And even that probably wasn't, it would have been much different if we would have been either in the military or if, uh, if I would have been in the military, or if I would have been out in New York City or out in Washington or something like that. What are your, um, any observations, any, any, any observations of clients or personal of that uh, collectively all getting thrown into this uh, disorder all at the same time? Yeah, uh, we've been talking a lot about that. So like you said, 9-11 was, was heavily impacted in New York, but of course impacted us all, but not the same. Um, the further away from New York you were, it just depended how involved you were. If you were 
just a regular old person in the Midwest that impacted you, but nowhere near as if you were downtown New York and it all went down. Um, it, we've kind of compared it to like a massive snowstorm that just keeps lasting, right? Because you're stuck. Um, I actually had a weird experience when I was a kid. I had mono for seven weeks, and so I was quarantined for seven weeks. And so I keep telling people, stop complaining. It's not as long as seven weeks yet, but it looks like we're going to blow right past that. And, and so it's difficult because I think for some people, they feel like life is still going on, right? Especially the young, they look at their phones and they see that some people are like, ah, we're still getting together and we're going over here. And the people who are social distancing are having a difficult time. Um, I know my daughters are, they, they know that some people are still getting together and, and that's difficult. Um, you know, the idea of the hero's journey, we talk about the leap of faith that you have this call to action and then you leap into the unknown, but we all got shoved. And so um, I think a lot of people were shocked and are still laying at the bottom of the pit of the unknown. They don't know how to get up and get out. And some people are resilient and they're trying to climb, but they don't necessarily know how to climb because this is unprecedented. And so um, it makes you reevaluate what success looks like. It makes you reevaluate what happiness looks like, what contentment looks like. If you're a productive um, marker person and, and you want to do productivity and all of a sudden now your job has been reduced or removed, uh, you're feeling pretty low. Um, and so there are some people who go to work to hide from their family and so now they have to be with their family while other people are embracing it. But after nearly six, seven weeks, it's, it's grinding on the nerves and little things are, are starting to wear thin. And so maybe conflicts are popping up where they started out nice and calm. Um, we've been discussing a lot about the new normal, that no matter what happens, we will not go back to the old way of things. Things will change, some better, some worse. But a lot of people are waiting for it to go back to normal. And I keep challenging them, it's gonna be new. And so you can make it what you want. But there's not gonna be a go back in time normal. Sure. can't unknow the things we're learning and experiencing. Well, you know, I think one of those things that happens, regardless if it is something that we accept the call, right? And, and, and then take that leap into either going away to school like your daughter did this year or uh, either start or stop a, 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 sporting, a sports team or something like that um, or a new job or whatever it may be. This similar to maybe what happened, you know, for, for in Europe, you know, when the Holocaust, you know, happened, this was thrust upon and, and, and there was not necessarily, there was like a, a disbelief. And again, I'm not, I don't mean to, I'm using it metaphorically comparing the two. I'm not necessarily saying this right. is the same as a genocide, you know, by any means, but it, the idea of, of it, it coming and not necessarily knowing when it's going to end and then also not knowing um, what restrictions are going to be put in place that the enemy enemy is invisible right and and this this aspect of it brings up i think um for people in that time period which it does always in that disorder aspect of the hero's journey is it brings up um possibly unaddressed or suppressed wounds or fears or uncertainties what what types of things are you noticing um with your clientele with with the groups that you're running um, from what that stuff that's bubbling up now that maybe wouldn't have been bubbled up if this wasn't happening exactly so that's probably one of the big themes is the bubble up factor and so um, i'm often telling people that in the last five six weeks i've dealt with more past issues issues that were thought to be left well behind 
um, that were dealt with in the past have bubbled to the surface. Childhood things, um, things from years ago, some trauma surfaces, um, some old resentments and conflicts start to surface. And so all of the distractors that we live with, whether it be job or activities or travel or friends or hobbies, have been removed or greatly reduced. And so now it's almost like you've been driving 90 miles an hour away from these things and then you just hit a slow traffic area but those things behind you didn't slow down and now they're just hitting at random points um and then of course uh, uh, the coping skills that come into play are usually ones that are less positive right there there's a massive rise in domestic violence across the world and then uh last number i saw was alcohol sales are up 55 percent from where they tar were targeted to be and this is a high point time anyway with springtime coming in so it's uh, those are two big ones I've seen jump across the board, not just locally. Well, and that's one and one of the concerns with, with the domestic violence, not only to partners, but then also to children. And typically, right when there's that happening, there you know the the resources, uh, schools um, going to work, going to different places where you may have. Um, uh, allies or have people that you can go to or who will reach out to you uh, what's that mark on your face why uh, you know what's going on um, unfortunately some of some of that is not happening at all for some of you know for some of our individuals that maybe with that increased possibility of domestic violence happening and then and abuse also to children we're not necessarily getting as many had the opportunity to make those um, those calls to protect them what any right. thoughts about that yeah, um, there are some clients that just simply point their screen to the ceiling when they're meeting with me. They don't want to see me, but they still want to have the, the, the video session because sometimes I do work on the board, so I like to see that. But, and so being able to see kind of the surround factors over a video or especially a phone session, there's so much that's lost, right? And okay. so, you know, whether it be markings, whether it be um, kind of the subtle impact of the abuse or the suppression or the different things that are going on, yeah, it's hard to watch the nuances. Um, video sessions are much different than face-to-face, -face, and there's so many pieces that get lost and maybe overlooked, and so things can go unchecked for however long this lasts, and the impacts could be significant. So, so let's kind of jump in uh, for a second about the idea. You know, you you run our substance abuse programs, and so our, our intensive outpatient uh, group, as well as our outpatient substance abuse group, and our, our process addiction group. We I know we had talked a couple of weeks ago about the idea that there had been an increase in relapse, and 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 for our listeners, what relapse mean is going back to old behavior, specifically with their drug of choice, right? Yeah. And um, what what is uh, we, we just talked about the, the, their normal, our normal all got uh, taken away. What, what are some of the other factors that lead to uh, being at risk or, or what you've been observing that, you know, people are, who may have been doing okay, may have been in those early stages of recovery, um, or, or maybe even begin the second stages of recovery, maybe had six to nine months, uh, a year clean. What are you seeing as now all of a sudden now they're in jeopardy of a relapse or have relapsed. So we see a lot of it across the board. Um, <clears throat> this is the slowest Monday so far, but I see that phone is lighting up again. And so 
since this has happened, I will come in and get voicemails from the weekend of more and more and more things. Um, and they're getting more extreme, where people aren't coming home after drinking. I'm not sure where they're going because you can't go to a bar, but um, <clears throat> where more, um, more conflicts are, are creating. And so as we look at what the relapse looks like, it isn't just what people are thinking, oh, people are drinking more. It's uh, belligerence, it's potential violence, it's the lack of coping skills, it's the staying out all night, <clears throat> it's the surrounding behaviors, whether it be shoplifting or violence or um, isolation or focusing on work from home. And because there's no coming and going from work, you're always at work at home. And so some people just kind of section off in one half of the house. There's some people I'm talking to that they've been with their loved ones for seven weeks and only see them at mealtime and that's it. And they, they virtually live in the other work world on the other side of the house. Um, as far as relapses go, we're seeing it across, across the board, whether it be people that have had some sobriety time and, and lost their structure. So for example, 12 step meetings are still occurring face to face, but rarely are they being attended face to face compared to what they were before. It's more of a Zoom experience, which has its benefits. I've got people that are attending meetings in New York City and Pennsylvania and Chicago and, and Europe. <clears throat> it's kind of neat. You can't do that as easily uh, before this push occurred, but a lot of people miss that face to face. And so there are some people that have been thrust into the Zoom world that didn't ever expect to at their 12-step meetings. They can't go to their meetings because maybe they're older or maybe they just don't feel safe. And now they've lost that significant structure and support, the face-to-face, -face, the camaraderie. Um, and for some people that's been devastating, whether that be early or late in recovery. Um, and the structure is another big piece that people implement early on to deal with their thoughts and their urges, and their cravings, and there are times of the day that are difficult, and now they don't have the work clock or, again, the meeting clock. And so that structure kind of was pivotal, and maybe even they didn't realize how pivotal it was until it wasn't there. Sure. Then you had the bubble up factor. You got the fact that maybe someone drinks to cope with emotions, and now you got more emotions rising that you can deal with. And then add to that, maybe you've got little kids or not so little kids at home, then that's a stressful situation because there's been conflict because you just came out of addiction or alcoholism active, and now you're in recovery and the family hasn't really gotten to the forgiveness phase. And so there's resentments and there's a lot of pieces to it. Sure. Some we haven't even seen fully come to light yet. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, I would, I was, listen to a podcast yesterday and um it was Brene Brown let me let me see if I can pull it up real quick um but a, Brene Brown was interviewing um a former um uh surgeon general and um and it was pretty interesting because he was talking about the concept or or the impact specifically of loneliness and um let's see if I can find it here and um and it, it was just an, it, it was interesting that um, it was Dr. Murthy, um, and his first name is V-I-V-E-K, and his last name is M-U-R-T-H-Y, and he talked about the idea of studying the phenomenon of, of loneliness, and he talked about that there's three different types of loneliness. Um, one is what we normally think about loneliness from an aspect of uh, missing that intimate relationship, like a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, 
uh, wife, that type of intimate partnership. The next one is the social aspect, and that would be maybe fall in the category of of the, that friends or that other um, connection from that end. And then the third was this communal uh, communal um, as, aspect of being part of a community, being part of something bigger than themselves. And I think we see that, you know, in when people are attending uh, churches together, um, could be AA conventions, could be AA meetings themselves, it could be group as a whole, right? And uh, we talked about these three different types of loneliness, and that was the first time that I had heard that loneliness was, or, or connection, the opposite of loneliness, was divided up in those three different areas or defined in those three different areas. Um, because you could have maybe uh, a loving relationship with your spouse, and, and, and that you're fulfilled there, but maybe not in the other two categories, especially now because of of what's going on being inside. I'm disconnected from my work, or maybe I'm, I'm, I'm furloughed right now, right? And um, I'm not able to work, and I'm not able to be in my uh, place of worship or in a bigger, bitter, a bigger circle. Have you um, noticed anything that's happening with that regarding some of your clients? Especially my younger clients um, because of the school factor. And so not only were they expecting to finish out their school year, a lot of plans, dances, for the seniors graduation um you know the the basketball team at, at lutheran did really good this year and we got knocked out in super sectionals and then the next week later that team was down at state when the quarantine hit and so they not only didn't get to play they got sent back home that same day and had to go to school that's kicking the teeth but um and so for those individuals that state experience is missing as well <clears throat> There's probably about 15% of the individuals I work with that are really happy schools in this situation because they didn't like a lot of the experiences of school and the heavy anxiety. Um, but even they are starting to feel this loneliness, like you said, this lack of contact, whether it be lack of a high five or a hug from a friend, uh, the, the, just the facial interactions that isn't over a screen. And when you talk about the collective gatherings, um, you know, looking at the impacts of how churches are responding. You know, down south, some churches are just saying, forget it, we're still meeting. Some are doing drive-in um, church. Um, there's a lot of different creative things going on, the Zoom meetings, uh, the Zoom churches, the, the different effects. But I think all pieces of these puzzles come together and hit everybody in some way, shape, or form, right? I think that you know, if you have a, a winter storm that lasts, maybe one of those gets clipped for a person. But I think across the barriers, all three are being hit on a, a rotating basis. And that's why different people are reacting differently. You know, there are some people that are just kind of liking the, as they said, they've been in training for this for years. And so now the rest of the world is caught up. And, and for many others, it is just, they can't even consider the, that this would have happened and what they're going to do about it. And so they're kind of scrabbling for purchase to find where they go from here. Yeah. No, I was reading uh, earlier today, I was rereading a, a chapter of a book called Untethered Soul by um, Michael Singer. And he talked about this idea of, of that this energy that we all have within us. We all have this abundant amount of energy within us. And we're either open to that energy or we're closed to that energy. 
And, um, and when we get close to that energy, it could be because we get triggered because of fear or because of being, feeling, uh, feeling threatened. And right now there's a lot of threats that are going on. Um, and we're reminded of it continuously through the, through social media, through, through, through the news, um, through people constantly having conversations about it. So we can, so it's very easy to choose to be closed. Um, and it takes maybe a lot more effort to be open. And, um, and so this idea of that when we're open and open to that energy within us um, and, and the connection of being open to other people, um, maybe right now it's going to be limited to digitally or, or conversations and stuff like that. What, what would be some things that you're suggesting to some of your, some of your clients? What things are you doing for yourself? What things are you do, suggesting to your family um, so during this time period that we can be open and we can see this as an opportunity um, versus another thing that's happening to us? You know, I was thinking about 9-11 when you said that because of all the images that they kept showing over and over and over again. And so having worked with some people that were on their couch for a month straight, just watching the images until um, basically the media stopped putting it on television on a constant loop. And that was just one event that had many ripples, right? And so this doesn't have the horrific images per se, at least like that. Um, but the numbers are the horrific details, right? And so I'm telling people to, to put that part of the social media down. In fact, I'm telling them to put the rest of it down too because social media was kind of a problem for some of my clients even before this and now it's just getting worse. The comparisons, right, and the, and the, and the drama to be, to be pulled into. But you know what, uh, put the numbers down. It, it is not going to help you to know that the numbers jumped by six over the last two minutes, right? It, whether they be worldwide or locally. And so I'm telling people to put that piece down because somebody will let you know if they change their mind, how will I know? You, you'll know. Somebody will say, hey, uh, you can come out of your house now, you know. Um, and so maybe checking in once a week during the, the updates that will occur these on Friday or Saturday, right? Um, for those that usually follow um, politics very strongly, there is a, a, there can be a very strong reaction to all the things that are going on, right? So if you love Trump before, maybe you love him now, and if you hated him, boy, you hate him the worst. And, and so these things are being magnified, right? And I think in a dramatic effect. And so I know some people that I'm working with are struggling and they need to put that down for their own sanity because it's become their obsession. And so that's what it is that they just want to see their family in relation to is they're just constantly watching these things. Um, and so I would say to put social media aside for a little while, do it to keep in contact with people, but maybe put it down when you're searching for all the world's answers for COVID-19 and for um, the things that bring about drama. <clears throat> um, you know, as far as the idea of what to do with this time, everything I'm reading talks about find a purpose in the situation that you're in. It doesn't mean that, oh, you were bad, and so this happened to you, and, and you earned it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how to find a way to grow from it. Because if you're not going to grow from it, then what was the experience worth? Mm -hmm. And so we talk about the three different things, right? We talk about... Um, if you're going to just survive it and come out the other side kind of hardened and, and, and battle experienced and, and press on with life, or if you're going to evolve from it. And so, um, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of work with people on the carrots, the egg, and the coffee. Have you heard this story? No, go ahead. 
<clears throat> okay, so basically it goes into the story about how a, a daughter's talking to her mother, her grandmother, about how life is difficult and one thing seems to get fixed and another happens. And so uh, she's asking for advice from her grandmother, who doesn't say a word, but takes her into the kitchen, sets three pots boiling and puts carrots, eggs, and coffee in the pots and just sits there silently for 20 minutes and then ladles them out into separate bowls. So a bowl of carrots, eggs, and coffee. <clears throat> and so the granddaughter's getting very impatient. You know, she wants the, the grandmother to side with her and be very frustrated like the granddaughter is and she's very calm and she says what do you see and then they go on to explain that the carrots went into the boiling water very hard and came out soft and so they kind of weakened after the boiling water and the eggs went in and they were liquid and just their thin shell kept the liquid together but now if you peel back the layers of the shell you see a hardened egg the coffee beans that went in however were different because not only did they not only did they change their face, but they changed the water. Not only did they change the water, they could not have become without the water. And so that goes back to the holy obstacle is the way, right? Yeah, the coffee represents those individuals that come out of this in a modified or enhanced version, a 2.0 version of themselves. They have grown, they have, they have refound their balance. They have reset how they're gonna go forward in life. The egg, of course, is the hardened individual that simply survives the situation, right? They get through it, they get out the other side, and, and they're more battle-worn. And the carrots are the people who kind of collapse. And, and we talk a lot about how to not be a carrot, basically. <laughs> and sure, so, sure. Um, you know, sometimes we find ourselves being a carrot, and what do we need to do? Sure. But the key to the coffee was that it would have never become without the boiling water. And in this case, the boiling water is the crisis that all three experienced equally. Sure, sure. I knew there was a reason why I like coffee so much. Uh, <laughs> so, Pat, thank you very much. Uh, as we're getting ready to wrap up uh, today, and I think that is that that example of that we all have a choice to be a carrot or to be an egg or to be coffee um, as we're going through uh, this time period, and we don't know how long this is going to be. And, and maybe that's kind of the point, because if we did know how long, then there's possibility um, the, we wouldn't have the, the, the richness of the coffee that we're going to have. Um, if there was something that you wanted to leave with today or leave our audience with, what would you want to leave them with? We're one day closer to this thing being past us. So for all the things that make it difficult and sometimes hard to bear, find the things you can take away from it that are going to make you better, that are going to make you stronger that are gonna improve your life in the long run for those around you as well as yourself. Perfect, Pat. As always, I enjoy the conversations and, uh, and look forward to talking to you again. So thank you again for being with us and uh, I'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you. All right, thank you guys.